Well, thank you for inviting me here today. My name is Esther. <laughs> I lived on Earth 2,500 years ago. It's a long time. You look surprised. <laughs> surprised. Did you know I was coming? Did you not? Did your pastor tell? No, you were expecting someone else, weren't you? This has happened to me before. Yeah, it's a long weekend. We're all busy. You wanted Moses, didn't you? <laughs> Moses, yeah. He's popular. He is in high demand. John the Baptist? No, like I said, it's a holiday weekend. This is, you get Esther. Yeah, but Esther, I'm in your book. Really, <laughs> I'm here. You want to know where? I'm found between Nehemiah. I know, everybody knows Nehemiah. He built the wall, right? <laughs> he went back, he rebuilt the wall. He was an amazing leader. So I'm found between, nestled between Nehemiah and Job. You all know Job. <laughs> he had some problems, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. And now you're wondering, Esther, we've got you here today. What are you known for? Well, this is what I'm known for. I'm the only book in your Bible in which the name of God is not mentioned <laughs> at all. That's what I'm known for. Sorry. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> but let's get it all out on the table now, right? Not only is God not mentioned in my book, I've never been to Jerusalem. It's true. I've never seen the holy city, never seen the temple, nothing. I wasn't raised in Israel at all. Yeah, that's who you have speaking today. God's not mentioned in my book, and I've never been to Israel. But even though God's not mentioned in the book which bears my name, God was still He was still in it. Now, like I told you, I didn't grow up in Israel. I actually grew up in Persia. You see, about 586 BC, the Babylonians came and uh, they destroyed what was left of Judah. The northern kingdom had already been toppled by the Assyrians, but the southern kingdom, Judah, was still just barely hanging on until the Babylonian Empire came. And they took most of the people and shipped them off. They lived in exile. But 50 years after the Babylonians came the Persians, and then the Persians ruled, and they defeated the Babylonians, and the Persians were pretty good to us. In fact, some of us got to return to Israel. But many stayed behind. They had a life in Persia. And we were known as the dispersion, the diaspora. Jews who believed in the one and only true God, but who worshipped him in a foreign land, in exile. So that was me. Yes, I lived very far from Jerusalem. But God was still 
was still in it. It's true, some people might have looked at me and said, God's not in her story, little Esther. Because I was an orphan girl. Did you know that? I didn't have a mother or a father to raise me. I didn't have a mom to wrap her arms around me, squeeze, tell me it'd be okay. I didn't have a dad to throw me up into the air, or chase me. I was an orphan. My parents were dead. So some people might have looked at my story and said, Esther, no, she's tragic. God's not in her story. But you know, I had a cousin, Mordecai, who came along my side and raised me as his own. He didn't do anything spectacular. He did his duty, what was really required of him. But I knew that God was in that. God was in I also knew that the day I received an invitation from the palace in Susa, that God was in that. Can you imagine? Opening the mail and getting an invitation to go to the king's palace, to live there for a year, to be under the care of Haggai, who would make sure we ate the best foods, we had the best beauty treatment, six months of lotions and perfumes, another six months of cosmetics training. spa for a year. It was unbelievable. God was in that. <laughs> and then, of course, when I was there, Haggai, who was in charge of this whole harem, took special notice of me. I don't know why, but he did. He took special notice of me. And he came along my side, and uh, he said, Esther, when you go to meet the king, Every, every girl needs to bring a gift. This is what I want you to bring. So I did. I listened to Haggai. I listened to all of his advice. And when I went in to see the king, the king was very pleased with me. God was in that. God was in it. And the king chose me, Esther, the little orphan girl, to be his queen. Whoa. That's a rags to riches story. God has to be in that. Orphan girl marries king. He's in it. But once I tell you a little bit more about my husband, Xerxes, you might start to wonder if God was really in it. You see, four years before I married Xerxes, he had been married to another woman, Queen Vashti. She was beautiful. And there was a time when King Xerxes invited all of his military commanders uh, dignitaries, political advisors, and for 180 days, 
they met. Because King Xerxes was planning a campaign against those Greeks, and uh, 180 days they planned, and at the end of the 180 days, King Xerxes held a banquet that lasted a week. Well, Queen Vashti, on the other side of the palace, men and women often uh, held separate banquets, she held a banquet for all the women that lasted seven days. Now, it is true that in my culture, that the men believed that the more you drank, the more inebriated you became, the better you'd be able to determine state affairs. <laughs> they believed that. That's the Persian way. And uh, they drank and drank and drank, and at the end of this seven days, Xerxes said, wouldn't it be great to call in Queen Vashti? I'd love to show her off. Well, over here, <laughs> Queen Vashti was not so crazy about that idea. She didn't want to be paraded around, and she knew what the men had been doing, and she didn't want to be exposed to all of that. And uh, she said, no, I'm not going. One thing you need to know about the king <laughs> is that you never refuse his invitation, ever. And the other thing you need to know is that you never approach the king uninvited. You don't refuse his invitation, and you don't approach him uninvited. Vashti refused him. <laughs> the men were up in arms. They didn't know what to do. I mean, a queen had never done that. So Xerxes got his advisors, and they said, what are we going to do? Queen Vashti has refused me, and this is in public, and everyone's going to know. And they came up with a plan. You know, they decided that if Queen Vashti did something like that, word would get out. In fact, your Bible, your book, speaks of this. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come. This very day, the Persian and Median women of the nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. So the men knew they needed to do something about it. <laughs> and they decided they would act swiftly. So Queen Vashti was stripped of her royal title. And uh, the king needed a new queen. But that's how Xerxes responded. I mean, that's how he behaved. Not in temperance, but in temper. That is how he made decisions. That's the man I married. Is God in that marriage? Another time a commander approached the king. And this commander said, I want to pay for your next military campaign. And he gave him the sum of it was $4 million. And Xerxes was so pleased. <laughs> what can I do to thank you? What is your request? And this commander said, well, I'd love it if my eldest son 
didn't have to go into battle. King Xerxes did not like that request, not one bit. So he took this man's son, had him cut in half, separated him, and paraded his armies right through. That's my husband. He's not known for temperance, but temper. Is God really in that? Another time, Xerxes had lost 300 ships out at sea in a storm. So like a child, he took his belt and he slapped the sea 300 times. Once for each ship. Can you imagine? That's my husband. <sighs> temper, not temperance. Was God really in that? I mean, I suppose I can see why Xerxes acted the way he did. People were always trying to kill him. There are assassination plots against him. In fact, my cousin, Mordecai, had actually foiled one, found out about one, and told, the, told me, I told the king, and it was stopped. People were always trying to kill him. Was God really in all of that? I mean, I understand orphan girl marries king. That headline, God's in that one. But orphan girl marries cruel despot? Is God really in that one? What's your title? What's your headline read? Maybe it's lonely or afraid. Maybe it's uncertain of the future. Maybe it's, I don't know how I got here, but here I am. Maybe it's not enough money, not enough time, exhausted, frustrated. Is God in that? But I think God wasn't. I can see him clearly in the good. Sometimes it's a lot more difficult to see him in the pain, in the tragedy. But God was still in it. You know what he did? He used my beauty pageant marriage to save his people, to accomplish his good purposes. That's what God does. He's in it. He's in all of it, the good and the bad. And wherever you are is exactly where God can use you. That's true. Wherever you are, maybe it's a place you don't want to be. Maybe it's the place that uh, you were dragged there. You were pushed, you were pulled, you came on your knees. You were twisted, turned upside down, but somehow you got to where you are. Maybe it's a pit stop along the way. Maybe you've been there forever and a day. But wherever you are, that's exactly where God can use you. Maybe it's at the office, it's in the schoolroom, the classroom. Maybe it's a very confined cubicle. Maybe it's out with patients or on the road or with clients. It's with the team, on the school bus, in the lunchroom, wherever you are. 
God can use you. And he used me. You see, there was a vicious man named Haman. Haman advised King Xerxes. Those are the people that he surrounded himself with. And one day Haman came to the king and he said, King, there's a group of people that I do not like. I think we should exterminate them. King Xerxes said, okay, Haman, here's my signet ring. And with that, he gave Haman all of his authority. King Xerxes never made further inquiry as to who this people group was. He just gave it over to Haman. And Haman determined a time in which the Jews would die. The thing is, my husband, the king, did not know that I was Jewish. Mordecai, my cousin, informed me of the plan. Back out at the city gate, I didn't know what I could do. I mean, everybody knows you cannot approach the king uninvited, and I had not seen the king in 30 days. He had not called for me. I said, Mordecai, I can't. What can I do? Mordecai gave me one of those looks. You know the one. And he said, Esther, if you don't rise up and do something, God will raise someone else up. But what if, Esther, what if it just so happened that you have been called to this position to royal position for such a time as this. I have to do something. Because God could use me right where I was. And let me tell you, it's not where I wanted to be. I didn't want to be queen. I didn't want to be married to Xerxes. I didn't want to be the person who had to step forward because I knew what kind of a man my husband was. If I stepped forward and approached him uninvited, sure, he could strip me of my royal titles, but he could kill me. He had it in him. Temper defined him. Have you ever been in a place you just didn't want to be. Maybe it was a job. You didn't want to be there. You don't know how you got there, but there you are. Maybe you're a part-time parent. You never wanted to be a parent only 50% of the time, but that's how life worked out. And that's where you are. You're alone. You didn't want to be alone. But that's where you are. But wherever you are, it's still where God can use you. And God used me to accomplish his perfect purposes. His good purposes. 
I stepped forward, although I did not want to, I did not want to be there, and the king extended his scepter. His scepter of mercy. That meant, I give you mercy, Esther. Come, what is it that you want? Up to half of the kingdom, what is your request, Esther? I said, King, all I want is dinner. I want to prepare dinner for you, King. Bring Haman. Why don't you do that? So we had dinner. And Haman came. You know Haman, who had the plot. And the king said, Esther, what is it that you want? What is your request? I said nothing that night. Nothing at all. But Haman was quite pleased with himself that he had been invited to dinner with the king and with the queen. And he marched home, and he was very proud. And on his way out of the palace, through the gates, he saw Mordecai, my cousin. And Mordecai did not respect him in any way. He did not nod, he did not bow, he did not acknowledge Haman. And Haman just looked at him. And all of a sudden, that wonderful meal that he had been so pleased about just turned sour in his stomach. So he walked home, and he was fuming, and he met his wife, and he said, I have had dinner with the queen and the king, and she wants to have me back tomorrow. But I'm just so mad. Why are you so mad, Mordecai? He makes me angry. He pays me no respect, and I deserve respect. I've eaten with the king and the queen. So Haman discussed the matter with his wife. He discussed it with some of the neighbors, and they all decided, well, Haman, the king clearly loves you. The queen loves you. You can do anything you want. Why don't you build a gallows 75 feet high? Have Mordecai hanged on it. Haman liked that idea. He slept well that night, knowing what Mordecai's fate would be the next day. But that night, my husband could not sleep. I mean, he tossed and he turned. He just couldn't get comfortable. I don't know what it was, the dinner I made, indigestion, who knows? Couldn't get comfortable, and he said to his advisors, read to me. So they brought out the book, the chronicles of his reign. That would put anyone to sleep. And they began to read, read and read. And then they came across this section. You know, a few years ago, there was an assassination attempt. There was a plot. And uh, they were going to kill you, Xerxes. Wow. And Mordecai, you know, that Jew sits outside of the gate there. He, um, oh, he saved your life. He discovered the plot and reported it. He said, Mordecai, read on. What did we do for him? How did we honor him? Oh, king, we didn't do anything. Nothing? We did nothing? Well, we must honor him. We must honor him. And then King Xerxes fell fast asleep. Well, the next day, we were going to have another meal again. Myself, the king, and Haman. 
And uh, Haman came marching into the palace, and of course he was just about to tell the king that uh, he wanted Mordecai, he had a gallows built, he was going to have him hanged, but the king said, wait, 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 Haman, stop right there, I want to tell you something first. Haman, since you are my good and loyal advisor, could you tell me what should the king do for the man he wants to honor? Well, Haman, of course, thought the king was talking about him. So Haman said, well, king, this is what you should do. You should give that man your own royal robe. Yes, one that you have worn. Wrap it snug around him. Okay. And you should give that man, the man you want to honor, king, your own horse. Yes, one that you, the king, have ridden on. Give him a horse. Then, then there's one more thinking. You should have a noble prince. Take that horse with that man in your robe and escort him through the city, shouting out, this is what the king does for the man he wants to honor. The king loved that idea. And he said, hey, Go get Mordecai. Give him my robe and my horse. <laughs> Haman couldn't believe it. And he knew at that moment the tables had turned. So at dinner that night, the king said, Esther, tell me, what is it you want? What is your request? All I said was, save my life. Save my people. I was very careful not to implicate the king, but I pointed to Haman. And of course, you know who was hanged on that gallows. What a story. What a headline. But you know, God was in it. Every business. I know. His name is not mentioned in the book that bears my name. He was definitely there. And he used me exactly where I was. Nothing's changed. Do you know that wherever you are, right now, Maybe you love it, maybe you want to leave it. But right now, where you are, it's exactly where God can use you for his good purposes. Right where you are, right now, exactly where God can use you. Thanks for having me.